it, it's a game that, that many have played, and honestly, I forgot how to play until I bought it at the, until we got at the store. I know, the, I know how it works. But I remember when I grew up, they had the big C batteries. I remember the big C batteries. Yeah, the big one, right? And when you touched something in this game, it was like electrocution. This game's called Operation. Anybody remember the game called Operation? Yeah. We've got it here this morning. And um, pardon the gentleman with the shirt off for church today. But Operation is, is the game that we're going to talk about this morning. And, and because I feel like it's very important, because I feel like it's very important today, I want to make sure two people um, can help me do this real quick. I want to show people how it works real quick. And so I've, I've got those folks selected this morning already. Uh, there, I'm sorry, Sam. I already got them picked. I already got them picked. Luke's going to help me, and Paige is going to help me this morning. And, and so come on up here, guys. Come on up. Now, this game, how many's played the game before? How many's played this game before? Okay, good, 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 good. So I'm going to get this thing out like that. Now this, if, if you're really having surgery and the doctor comes in with these tweezer things, like this, and it's attached to this with your picture on it, we got problems. Run from the hospital, not where you need to be. All right? All right. Okay, Paige, come on over here. All right, Luke, ladies are going first. Okay? Now, the way that it's played is you pick a card, and the card tells you what to pick out, and you get points for picking the card. We're not playing that way today, though. I'm going to play the way my sister and I used to play. Here's these. Now, you're a trained professional. Hold on now. You're professional, right? What I want you to do is I want you to pick out. Oh, no, don't move the board. What do you do? I know I mixed them all up. I know. I told you we're playing the way my sister and I used to play things, all right? Okay. Now, uh, Paige, I want you to get the ribs out. Oh, she started to complain right there. Yeah, they're in there. They're in. He's a heavy guy. Sometimes you got to get through the chubby to get to the ribs. I'm just kidding. Oh, oh, you did. You did get it that time, didn't you? <laughs> Note to self, don't let Paige do operation on you. Okay. All right. Luke, steady hand Luke. I wouldn't either. I want you to get the Adam's apple out. What's happening? You keep getting, you keep hitting the edge. Um, sir, when you hit the edge, that means you got to put it back. You, you got shaky hands. So what we found is, first of all, this morning we have no surgeons out of these two. Okay. But what happens when they touch the edge, when they're trying to get the thing out, it buzzes. In fact, I don't know if you've seen Paige. She kind of went like this. And, and Luke was just like, I'll take it. <clears throat> Just let it keep shocking me, right? And so I want you to start with that base this morning of how the game works. Can we, can we give folks a hand for helping us this morning? Thank you so much for clarifying today that you're not surgeons. Amen. 
I know we were wondering for a minute. I need to set this somewhere. Okay, there it is. All right, we'll put it there. And we'll put that there. The operation, the game of operation, I really enjoy it. It was one that I got to play a lot. And this morning, there's some things about this game that I am certain many of us may be doing even now from this game that we didn't even realize. But with the help of the Holy Spirit this morning, I believe God is going to touch some people in this place. You say, well, Pastor, I just come because it's a cool game, or maybe you thought because we started with a game that things were going to just be, yeah, you know, a nice little sermon. I believe God is going to do a work in this house this morning. Don't get confused on the purpose of being in this place. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. God, I give you honor and I give you glory. Father, I thank you because I believe, and I don't just believe it, I know you have a purpose in this house this morning to touch hearts and lives. And so, Lord, I believe that the enemy would do anything that he can to try to distract and change and destroy your plans. And we come against that now in Jesus' name. We pray, God, that you would hide me behind your cross. Let me preach your word. Be with our kids in the back. Be with our teens in the back. God, be with those online. But in this house that you would fill this place with your presence. And move as only you can do in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. I I can honestly tell you I'm not really certain of the rules of this game. I didn't read them because how many know most men don't like directions anyway? Okay. I I figured at least a few women would be shouting for a minute. I mean, I don't know. Uh, But... Uh, We we just don't like directions, and when I was growing up, my sister and I would play this game, and here's how we would play it. The first round, we would get to pick out whichever one we wanted. We get to pick out the spot that we wanted to pick. Maybe it was the wishbone, maybe it was the butterfly, maybe it was the, 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 uh, the band on the leg. Those would be the things that we would pick out, the easy ones. Somebody say the easy ones. But the second round... Now, that's where it got fun because we would say, now, you pick what I have to pick out. And we would, we, mean me, because I was the oldest, I was the smarter one. I'm not sure that still goes for today, but I was. I would always make her go first, and I would always have her pick, and I would pick the hardest one for her to get. Whatever that was, the pencil, that's usually pretty hard. I'd get all the hard ones. And that brings me this morning to my first point that we want to talk about. This is we need to be prayers rather than pointers. Somebody say prayers rather than pointers. This morning I was hoping when my sister and I played this game that when I pointed to the hardest thing that she had to pick out that she was going to fail when she played it. That was my hope. You say, well, that's mean. Well, I wanted to win the game. Does anybody like winning? One person in this whole building, two people, three. How many like winning? Okay, if you don't like winning, then, then, then man, don't come around me. Oh, I like competition and I like winning. My concern is that in the church, we have too many people that are pointing out other people's issues, other people's flaws, other people's faults, other people's sins, and we've become professional pointers of problems rather than prayers. 
We fail to pray that God would show us the things in our lives that we need to remove because we're too busy pointing at somebody else's stuff. Matthew 7, 3 through 5, Jesus said, somebody say Jesus said. He said, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay not attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? Man, but verse 5, verse 5, Jesus says very plainly, you hypocrite. Somebody say, Jesus said. Not Pastor Steve, I'm just reading what he said. He said, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I could just stop right there and we could go home. We're not, though. Don't worry. We've become professional pointer-outers. When the first thing we should be doing is praying. Praying first, God, keep me pure. God, remove the things out of my life that need to be removed that are not like you. And then we pray, God, reveal to others the things that need to be removed from their life. God did not call us to be the pointer police. Some of you remember the pointer sisters and have taken it a little bit too far. Some of you don't even know who they are. Some of you are acting like you don't know, and I know you all old enough to know. But here's what happens, and maybe this doesn't happen to you, and I'm not saying it does to everybody, but the more I pray, God, remove out of the things in my life that shouldn't be there, I become more humbled and understanding that, man, I am a bigger mess than I even realized, and I've got no business pointing out other people's problems when God's still working on me. Our job, our responsibility is not to change people. I can't change people. Listen, if I could, Dylan would be a Cubs fan. We can't change people. God's not called us to change people. God's called us to help connect people to a Jesus that changes everything in their lives. Can I tell you, people have a real hard time connecting to someone that keeps pointing out all their issues? Jesus said, my house should be called a house of prayer. Somebody say prayer. Thank God for the people that come in this church before service and pray, and I'm thankful for that. This house should be called a house of prayer. This temple, this person should be a place of prayer, not pointing out to people all their problems. I promise you, when we pray, the Holy Spirit will bring conviction and the Holy Spirit will bring change. And that is the only true way to bring sustainable change in people's lives. It is not from them following your rules. It's from them coming in contact with a God that brings conviction and changes their heart for time and eternity. I've heard some people say this before. I've heard people say, the church is full of hypocrites. And so they're not going to go to church anymore. 
And I want to be very clear this morning. And this is recorded, and it's going to stay this way. I want to be very, very clear this morning. This is a place where there are more flawed people than you can imagine. This is a place where there are more issues with people than you can even write them down. This is a place where people have failed, where they have fallen, where they have stumbled, where they've missed the mark, where they probably did things last night that they shouldn't even have done. This is a place, and I'm just going to be real with you this morning, we don't always get it right. I'm not going to promise you a perfect church with perfect people and a perfect pastor. You already had that guy for 35 years. But I am going to promise you this. It's a place where Jesus has changed some people's lives. We're in a place where we may not be where we want to be, but we sure aren't where we used to be, and he's still working on us. So I say, come on in. Come on and let Jesus do some work on you like he's working on me. Amen. I don't know. You say, well, Pastor, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I like that. Well, it's buckle up because you might like not like some more. If you failed before, me too. If you've fallen before, me too. If you've messed up before, me too. If you've missed the mark before, me too. If you've made a mess of things sometimes, me too. I only see a few people's hands going up because I know it's just me and a few folks. But hear me this morning. I'm not coming at you this morning to tell you this isn't a church to be in because you've messed up. In fact, I'm telling you, you're in the right place. I'm telling you, you're in the right place. I'm in the building today to tell you that this isn't a museum of saints. This isn't a place where people are lifted up and put on a pedestal because of their perfection. But rather, this is a hospital for the hurting people where Jesus can come in and do an operation and change people's situation in their life. This church is a safe place for those that don't have it all together. It's a safe place for people that are still figuring out this Jesus thing. This church is like the gym that some of you may get to see a commercial for. You say, Jim, I don't go to gym, and I don't know any gyms. I'm talking about G-Y-M, not J-I-M. Commercial for a gym, and, and I'm not going to mention the name, um, but it, it, it says, come to this gym. It's a judgment-free zone. Judgment-free. Oh, it got quiet. You know Why? Because we're all really good at pointing out people's things. And God's saying, how about you stop your pointing and you start praying? How about you stop doing this? And, oh, I think we went to this again last week. If you're going to point, point to yourself. For those in this house that think their lives are above all this. Holy Joe, Holy Jane, let me talk to you for a moment. Super Saint Sally and Super Brother uh, Bob, all right? Let me, let me talk to you for a minute. You might be in the wrong church. I know a pastor's not supposed to say that. But I want you to understand, 
I am not praying God send us a bunch of holy saints. I'm praying God send us a bunch of messed up people that you can change their life and radically transform their families. I'm praying that. And that might upset you. But here's the deal. If you think you're in that spot, let me remind you. The Bible says that our righteousness is as filthy rags before the Lord. I don't care how good you are, how long you've been saved, how much you give, how many times you come to church. Your righteousness is as a filthy rag before Him. Amen. After a while of playing this game, my sister and I, something would happen in the game of operation. And let me just let me just pull it up here real quick. What would happen is, uh, Luke, come here and hold this for me. Because I want to make sure people can see it. Come on up. Just, just hold it like that. That's perfect. What would happen is the longer we played it, Sooner or later, after hitting the thing a few too many times, we would just stop letting the buzzer affect us. We, we just, we wouldn't care and we were just worried about getting it out. And, thank you sir, and this morning, what happened is we became desensitized to the effect and the warning of the buzzer. Somebody say desensitized. Now that's a big word, but let me give you a quick example of what desensitized is. If you put a frog in hot boiling water, it might rib it right out. But if you put a frog on the stove in cold or lukewarm water, and you begin to turn up the heat gradually, that frog enjoys its little pond until it becomes overheated, and then it is eaten. Man, that was a slow one. I thought you guys would pick up a little bit quicker on that one. But what has happened is we've become desensitized in the game to the effects of the warnings that it is giving us that we aren't doing things the right way. More importantly, many in the church, many that attend every week, many that sing during worship, many that give, uh, give weekly, many that look good, that act good, that follow the rules, that are checking the boxes, many have become so desensitized to sin and the things that used to convict them doesn't convict them anymore. The things that used to bring a buzzer in their lives, the things that used to flash a warning light in their lives, they've overridden so long that the warning light doesn't have any impact. The church, who's the church? Okay, I just want to make sure we're all on the same page because I don't want you to get mad at the building today. The church has become callous to sin and the effects of sin. We've become callous to the things that break God's heart and they no longer are breaking our heart. 
we have to be concerned because here's the thing. If we aren't playing, and I, I please understand the game by the rules that warns us, if we're not following the things that God has called us to follow and we're ignoring the warnings, can I tell you there's a reason that God sends us a warning? I know that a lot of folks say, well, everybody's going to make it to heaven. We'll talk about it in a minute, but I don't think that's right. I want to say this morning that God has sent me here today with a warning for somebody. I don't say that often, and I don't say it frequently, and I don't say it lightly, but I believe God has sent me here with a warning for someone to, hey, pay attention. You've overridden the warnings of the Holy Spirit, and you've allowed yourself to become deceived, thinking that everything is okay. You're playing the game of church, but having no desire to allow God to remove the sin that is in your life. You're in a dangerous place this morning. And I believe that God's going to bring some sensitivity to the things that break his heart back into your life if you acknowledge that's me. God, help me. I want to stay sensitive to the warnings of the Lord. I, I don't know. Uh, recently, uh, my, my youngest daughter, uh, they, they went and they, they got a new car. And she had a car that we had bought them when, they were, when she was young. And, 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 and uh, it, was a, it was a nice car. I thought it was a nice car. And, and every since we got the car, from probably the first or second month, the check engine light was on. You know that some of you go that just that light. But it's a little check engine light on the car. And the car ran fine. It was fine. They checked it out a couple of times. They said da 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 And then it was fine. Try to turn it off, turn it back on, and, and how many know that if it's not bothering anything, we don't want to spend the money to fix it? Yeah, maybe that's just me. And if it's bothering it, maybe it's like how much is it bothering? Anyway, okay, so, but that light was on. And this was 2000, I don't even know what year it was when we got that car. It was in the teens, that's all I know, 18 maybe, something like that, 17, 16, I'm not sure. And that light was on. And they went to trade in the car this week. And she said, I didn't even remember that the check engine light was on. And the guy had to tell me. Because she had been in the car so long, she got used to seeing the warning light and stopped paying attention to it. But as soon as somebody else got in the car, they had to say, hey, did you know your check engine light's on? I'm here this morning. Because you've been in the car so long looking at the light, not paying attention to it, to say, hey, i got to let you know, there's a warning light on that God's trying to get your attention today. And while many have allowed the buzzer to go off and desensitize to, become desensitized to the buzzer, my sister and I would do something else. We would do this because we got tired of the buzzing is we would take it and we would just take the batteries out. If I can get the batteries out. Come here, help me get the batteries out, Luke. You're not getting paid for today, I'm just telling you. All right. Oh, now you're going to drop them all out. You just dropped the bread basket on the floor. 
poor guy. He's going to go around without his bread basket. It's harder than you think. The C batteries were real easy because they were big and you could just pull them right out of the back. And that's perfect as long as they're out. Perfect. Thank you. Now, here's what I want you to do, Luke. Go ahead. And while you're here, take the, take the, to- take the uh, tongs. Now the bread baskets with the butterfly. Man, this is not good. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead and get, the, get, the, uh, get the, the Adam's apple like he was going to. Okay, yeah. You got, that didn't buzz one time. Great job, man. Yeah, go ahead and put it back. Yeah, you did, give Luke a hand, man. That was great. Got it out. It didn't buzz one time. Clearly, you're better than Paige. Okay, have a seat. Thank you. What we would do is we would take the batteries out, and it would stop making the noise, and it would stop making the buzzer go. And we would just play that way. Many in the church today have talked about God's grace. And I'm thankful for God's grace. Anybody thankful for His grace and mercy? I'm thankful for God's grace and mercy. But what's happened is the church has removed the batteries from the game to make it easier to play. The Bible still says... Straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life, but wide is the way that leads to destruction. What we've done is we've said, live how you want to live. Do what you want to do. Don't worry about it because grace has got you covered with everything. If that's the case, y'all, why did God send his only son to be beaten, bruised, scorned, and crucified on a cross if everybody was going to make it. I have to say this this morning because I know it may not be popular and you may not like me, but I'm, I'm here. I'm sorry. This is where God has me. And, and I'm going to tell you this morning that God still has a standard that he requires. God still has a way that we are to live and live right and live holy and point our lives to Jesus. This is not me pointing to tell you how to live, but it's saying regardless what the world says, my life has to come in an agreement with what God's word says and what his standard for my life is. I don't care if a preacher says it's fine to do it. I don't care if a book says it's fine, just do it. I'm telling you, if God's word doesn't say it's okay to do it, if God doesn't say it's okay to do it, then we shouldn't do it. Popular message today, I can feel it. The church has allowed itself to become a social club. A place where we go and we get to see people on a Sunday, and it's good to see you. There's something powerful about connection and relationship. We talked about relationship empowerment on uh, Wednesday. It's good to see you. It's good to be together. It's good to gather together and worship. We've made it a social club and a checkbox thing place where we go to watch the praise team and the preacher perform like we're going to a show. 
ooh, what are they going to do this way? I didn't like that. I've seen people go out of movie theaters. I've seen people come out of, out of, out of uh, musicals and Broadway shows before, and they'll start talking about all the good things, and then they'll be like, yeah, I didn't really care for that, though. I, I didn't like that piece. and I, I wasn't sure of that one. I didn't like this part about it, and I think they should have done something different. We do the same thing with church. That's not what God called us to do. It's not a performance. If we're performing, listen, if I was a performer, I would be in the circus more like a circus clown. Because this can't be a performance. It's too important for me to get up and give you a performance. It's too important for our praise and worship team to give you a performance. It's not what God called us to be. Help us understand that without the presence of God, without the Spirit of God moving, that we are doing it without batteries in the game. The problem is it's not just happening in the church, it's happening in our homes. We've taken the batteries out because we don't want a parent, because we don't want a grandparent. Say, Pastor, you're on one today. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm trying to help us because I don't want to see your kids go to hell. I want to see your grandkids go to hell. I don't want to see you go to hell. You say, Pastor, that's mean stuff. No, it's truth. I need to help you understand. It's time to put the batteries back in your family so that there's a standard that they live by. And instead of the devil running your house, you running the devil out of your house like God has called us to do. We cannot give God the batteries for one hour a week and expect the devil to take the 167 and not destroy your kids, not destroy your family, not destroy your marriage, not destroy your relationship. It is crazy to think that. But when we put the batteries back in and we let God do the work, the warning signs keep us on the narrow way so that we follow God's plan and his purpose is accomplished in our lives. We cannot expect passion after God if we don't demonstrate it as parents and grandparents and loved ones. My last point, and yep, I said last point, and it's not long. I'll be honest, guys. I'm just going to be honest. This isn't one that I got really excited about preaching today. Because I believe that there is a serious warning that is happening in this house. I believe this is a pivotal moment for some people in this building. And I do not take it for granted. I don't take it lightly. But it is heavy on me. Because I know the importance of this moment. My last point is this. One that I I think many people are struggling with. Some have removed the batteries in the game so they don't have to, you know, get the warnings. We talked about that. Some have just gotten so used with the batteries with the, the, the noises and the buzzer going on. But there's some that have removed the batteries because of the pain that they are having in the field. Rather than continuing 
to replay the hurt in their mind, they've just taken batteries out. Rather than reimagining over and over again the situation that caused the brokenness, they've just taken the batteries out. And they have disconnected so that they could try to stop the hurt that is going on. Dylan, I need you to come. The game this morning, that person is still playing. You see, because they're still present. They're still smiling. They're still living. They still look like everything's fine. Everything seems kind of normal. Everything seems all right. Everything seems like it's no problem. But they have disconnected the batteries. And they are broken. And they are hurting. And they are, they are, they are lonely. And I've come to tell you this morning. That God sees you. God sees you and he sees your brokenness and he sees what you're going through and his desire is that you reconnect that you put those batteries back in and connect to him so that this morning he can help heal your hurt so he can help heal your pain. So he can help give you hope. So he can help you. The trauma and the pain are real. I'm not going to stand here and try to tell you that the trauma is not real. That the pain isn't there. I'm not going to tell you that when you leave this altar that all the pain leaves and all the trauma is gone. I'm not going to tell you that God's just going to take it all away today. It's just going to be like a magical wave of the wand and it's taken care of. But this morning God is desiring to start the healing process. He's trying to apply the balm to heal the hurt. This morning, Luke, again, I need you. Can you go behind that wall and get the bottle of oil for me, please? This morning, how many know uh, Psalm 23? Psalm 23. He anoints my head with oil. Yeah. Thank you. The shepherd would anoint the sheep's head with oil and that would keep the pests and the, the insects and the parasites it would help keep them away but also when the sheep had an issue a cut a nick the shepherd in the evening would take sheep by sheep one by one and he would go through 
And every area where there was a hurt, every area where there was a cut, he would take the oil and he would anoint it. He would put oil on it as an ointment to help bring healing. This morning, I believe God is desiring to anoint your head with oil. And as we anoint your head with oil, I believe that oil is going to touch those spots in your life that are lonely, that are broken, that are hurting, to start the healing process. Say, Pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. 100% right. But I know this. God said he sees you. I can't fix it. But I know a God can. Stand all over the house this morning. Father, help us. This morning in this house, I'm going to be very clear. Some of you are just excited that we might get out early, and that's fine, and you have the right to leave whenever you want. But I'm going to be very clear. I am confident of a few things today. The first thing I'm confident in is that God has sent me here as a warning for someone that you have become desensitized to sin, and you need to get your house in order. If that's you, in just a moment, these altars will be open. And as you come, I want you to kneel at the altar and not wait for a pastor or someone to lead you in a prayer. But first say, God, forgive me. Forgive me for not caring about what breaks your heart. Bring sensitivity into my life for you. That's that person. And there's the other person that you have pulled the batteries out because you're hurting and you're broken. And even today, you're sitting there saying, there's no way I'm going forward because people are going to know. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. That is the devil trying to keep you in bondage. And I come against it now in Jesus' name. The devil does not want you healed. And he knows this morning there is a healing oil and ointment that is going to take place. So if you're in this house and you're hurting and you're broken and you have removed the batteries because of the hurt, because of the pain, because of the trauma, when I ask you to come, I want you to come and I want you to stand in these altars. And I'm just going to anoint your head with oil. More importantly, I believe God's going to anoint every area that is hurt 
to start the healing process. I am confident of this, that this morning, whether or not anybody comes or they don't, that I have done exactly what God has asked me to do. Mark the day down. Mark it down. I've done what he's asked me to do. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, thank you. Thank you for your grace and thank you for your mercy. Thank you for reaching out to us this morning. Thank you for the lives that you are calling to right now. Thank you, God, that you love us enough. You love us enough today to help us. God, let people be bold enough to step out today. Dylan's going to sing. These altars are open. Will you come? Mercy, I need your grace. I need your help.